Hey everybody, and welcome to part four of how transformation happens. Today, our topic is law and gospel. Back at the beginning of this series, we talked about how our God is a God who speaks. And one of the fundamental realities of our God is that he is a God who communicates with his people and that Jesus Christ is his word, that Jesus was always with God and was always God's word that God created all things that are, all things that we can see and not see, and that they were created by Jesus. They were created through the spoken word, let there be, and there was. And that word is Jesus. As we've moved forward from there, from this fundamental reality that God speaks and he speaks to us and his word is creative and it does things, we have moved on to talk about how we are transformed. And we've explored that transformation happens in two ways. Two things happen to us. First, we are killed and then we are resurrected. And Jesus has died in our place so that we don't have to face the kind of death that he does. And now in our spirit, in our soul, we are made new creatures. And now our old self, our old sinful nature is put to death. And this is a day in and day out process. Day by day, God is drowning our old sinful self and he is resurrecting us in Jesus Christ. And so today we're actually going to take these two ideas. We're going to put them together. That God is a God who speaks to us. He communicates to us. His word does things when he speaks it. And the things that he does with his word are kill our sinful nature and resurrect us with Jesus Christ. He actually draws us to become more like Jesus and to find ourselves in Jesus more and more by his word. First, by killing us. Secondly, by resurrecting us. And we know that this is the case because we have a couple of scriptures that we can look at to see how God does this. And they're both found in Romans chapter 10. Now, Romans chapter 10 is all about God's plan for salvation, first through the Jews, then to the Gentiles. And he gets to this passage in Romans chapter 10, verse 14. But how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? You see, God establishes here that the way that we are found in Christ and the way that we are transformed is by somebody telling us about Jesus, that we have to hear the word from somebody else. And God actually delivers this word through preachers. Now, this doesn't mean uh, the Sunday morning up on the chancel preachers. This is whoever God has called to proclaim the word to us. That's how we hear it, that our faith actually comes by hearing. And this is what we read in verse 17 of that same chapter. So faith comes from what is heard and what is heard comes through the word of Christ. So we are actually transformed by the word spoken to us, by the word communicated to us. And we're going to talk about how all this happens in a little bit. But the fundamental reality of our transformation is that it has to come from outside of us. It can't come from our own mind or our own will or our own power. It has to be somebody that God has called to give us and deliver us his word. And God creates faith through his word. When he speaks to us, it says faith comes by hearing. So when God speaks to us through somebody else or through scripture or through a song, God actually creates faith in us. He creates in us the ability to trust 
in him. And God actually delivers Jesus to us through the word given by somebody else. That is why we have to have a preacher. We have to have somebody that speaks the word to us in order for us to hear it and come to faith. This is what Romans chapter 10 tells us. And so faith always comes to us. God gives us faith by the, by the word given to us from somebody else. Somebody has to be there to give us the word, which is why being part of a community is so necessary for the Christian. This is why we cannot be Christians outside of the community, outside of the church, is because God has given us each other to proclaim the word to each other, to remind each other of God's work, to do this work of law and gospel that we'll get to here in a minute, to actually teach and admonish one another in all wisdom in the Holy Spirit. And this is actually how God delivers this transformation to us is by each other, by people in the church communicating and speaking God's word to each other. And this word acts on us in two main ways. In the these are the categories that uh, us Lutherans have, and it's the law and the gospel. And we're going to get into how this whole thing works. But essentially, we know that God speaks to us in these two main ways, through the law and through the gospel, because God's goal is to transform us and to make us into little Christ. He wants us to be found in Christ and part of his family, and he brings us into his family and he transforms us into these new creatures by his word, by killing our sinful nature and resurrecting us with Christ. And so that's what we call the law and the gospel. Fundamentally, the law is anything that God speaks that kills our sinful nature. So anything that we find in scripture or anytime a pastor preaches or anytime we're in conversation with others and we come to this moment of conviction, that's the law. That's God using his word to kill our sinful nature, to make us realize that we can't do it on our own. And the gospel is any word that God speaks that delivers a promise to us. Where God, he, he first of all kills that sinful nature and shows us that we can't do it ourselves. And then he delivers the saving message of Jesus Christ with the gospel. He delivers his promises with the gospel. And so as we hear God's word in his community, in the church, when we hear the law, the law is anything that exposes our weakness or exposes our sin. And generally, laws come to us in commands. These are really clear examples of how the law acts on us. So, for example, in Luke chapter 12, Jesus gives the command, do not worry. That is a direct command that Jesus gives us. Now, if we take that command seriously, if we take that word seriously, we know that when we do worry, that is sin. Because Jesus has commanded that we do not worry. And we know that that is a sin and it exposes our weakness. So as we read that, that teaching that Jesus gives on, and it's actually on wealth and um, how we operate in the world, not to be greedy or try to strain and strive for the things of this world. When he says, do not worry, we reflect on ourselves and we say, I have worried and I do worry. And maybe I'm worrying right now. And that's when we are in sin. It exposes our weakness. Now, there are other more nuanced ways this can happen. Sometimes we can hear a story, especially stories in the Old Testament, really operate in this way. Where we're reading a story, for example, if we read a story of Abraham or of Noah um, or of David, and we, we're reading this story about somebody who is uh, chosen by God, 
who is ordained and who we hope is the person in the Old Testament story to bring about God's kingdom and bring about the goodness that God wants and blessing that God wants for the world. As we read through those stories, we read about times that those men failed to live up to God's expectations. Now, when Abraham or Moses or Noah or David fail to live up to God's expectations, when we read those stories, it's not like God gives us some demand that we don't fulfill. But we read these stories and we realize that they really messed up and we can reflect on times in our own lives that we've messed up in similar ways. We can see ourselves in the kind of lying and scheming and fear that those men were in in the stories of their failures. In this way, the law exposes our weaknesses through the story of somebody else's weaknesses. And we reflect on ourselves and we say, man, I really see myself in this story and in this failure. That's a way that the law operates on us. And much of the Old Testament is operating on us in this way. It's these great stories of human failure in the face of God's faithfulness. So that's another way that the law operates on us. The law exposes our weakness. So it's any time that we're reading through the scripture and we feel convicted by something. Anytime we read a passage about how Jesus lived and what he expects of his people. If we read in the New Testament, Paul's letters or the Revelation, and we feel convicted about our own life. This is the law operating on us. This is when we confront our own weakness and we know that we are not good enough, that we cannot do enough, that we are in fact sinful no matter how much we try. The law cuts down all of our attempts to be good enough, smart enough, righteous enough to be accepted by God. That's what the law does. It cuts all these things down. And so the law then not only convicts us to try to be better, which ultimately we're going to find ourselves caught again in the law because we can't actually get there ourselves. But ultimately what the law does, the whole point of the law is to get us to Jesus, to make us realize that we can't do it ourselves and we need God to intervene. We need God to step in and we need God to save us. We need him to show us the way and to make us right and to make us new. So the law always points us to Jesus because it reveals our own neediness and it reveals our own weakness. And so as we read through the scriptures and as we hear people talk to us and as we listen to sermons and music and those kinds of things, those points in the story where we feel convicted or we see how much people are failing, this is the law operating on us. This is the law pointing us to Jesus, making us convinced that we need Jesus. And the gospel, the gospel is those places where God's grace and hope specifically grace and hope given in Jesus is communicated. So the gospel are the places where we find promise, not command. It's the places that we find hope and joy in Jesus Christ, in God's gift to us, not in our own effort. And so God delivers these promises all sorts of ways. We read them throughout all of scripture and they're hidden. They're kind of placed in these in these strategic places that we can see in the midst of our own sorrow and weakness, in the midst of our human sin, we see God's faithfulness again and again and again show itself. We see God is continually patient with his people. We hear that we are forgiven of our sins. We are told by Jesus, for example, that he abides in us if we eat the body and if we eat his body and his blood, when we eat the bread and the wine, that he is in us and we are in him and our sins are forgiven. That's a promise. 
And that word is actually communicated to us in uh, in the, the act of communion when we are worshiping together. That's a way that God's word is given to us. The promise is given to us. So any place, any time that the promise is given, that's the gospel. That's this gospel as opposed to law. And the gospel is the thing that actually transforms us because what we come to find out, the more we kind of live in this law and gospel world, this dynamic as we read scripture and hear people talk and we are encouraged by our brothers and sisters in Christ, what we come to realize is we cannot trust in ourselves. And so we trust in God instead. We trust in his promises. He gives us all kinds of amazing promises in scripture. He promises us peace that surpasses all understanding. He promises us joy and love and patience and endurance and faithfulness. He promises all of these things to us. And we begin to trust in those things rather than our own sinful nature, rather than our own attempts. So I cannot manufacture peace in my life by my own power. I cannot, by my own power and wisdom, make sure that I have peace in my home, in my job, in my relationships. I cannot make that happen. But if I trust in God to give me peace, believing that he has created peace, and that when he gives his promise, he means it, he actually transforms me to be able to create peace in my relationships, in my home, in my job. Because I'm trusting in God's work, and I'm trusting in the Holy Spirit, to do what I cannot do. That's what the gospel is, is us. It's speaking God's promises to us. And we come to have faith in those things. We come to trust in his word rather than our own power. And this is why the gospel is what transforms us. The gospel is what resurrects us. And in fact, the only thing we do is we die. We kill our sinful nature. We hear those words. We, we know that we are sinful, that we are weak, and we trust in God. And he actually unlocks and transforms the way that we approach our world. And we do have joy because he creates joy. We do have peace because he creates peace. We do have endurance and faithfulness because he creates it in us. He resurrects us in Jesus and makes us more like him. This is how the gospel operates on us. It's given to us in a promise and we trust in it. And just like the law, the gospel always gets us to Jesus. It always goes back to Jesus. That it is in Jesus that we have peace. That it is in Jesus we have joy. We always find ourselves in Jesus because of what he has done for us. Because he has created this peace for us in God. And so it always gets us back to Jesus, just like the law always gets us back to Jesus. It is God's word, and God's word affects this transformation in our life, and God's word is Jesus. So we always end up back with Jesus when we explore this gospel, when we are transformed by the gospel. So I want to close our time by talking a little bit about how we can hear God's word, how we can listen to God's voice in this way, how we can hear the law and the gospel. First and foremost, it's through the scripture. The scripture is God's word given to us, and it's this huge collection, this tapestry of stories and poems and letters and all sorts of different types of literature that are given to us. This is the word that God has given us is in the scriptures. This is how we can come to know him. This is how he delivers us the law and the gospel. And it's important when we talk about hearing and listening to God's voice in the law and the gospel, that we start with the whole story in mind. The entire biblical story unlocks for us the person of Jesus 
and how he operates on us and how he operates within us. But this scripture that we read, it isn't only demanded on us that we read it by ourselves alone every single day. That's not the kind of demand that God has on our lives. We are told to meditate on the scriptures day and night, which means we have to be ingesting scripture on a regular basis. And part of that is doing that on our own because we do have our own Bibles. We're in this blessed time that we have scripture all around us. It's on our apps, in our phone. It's in book format on our table stands. It's all over the place and we ought to be ingesting it on a regular basis daily if we can. But we actually have to have that big story in mind, the whole thing. So it's not just like we read scripture with little snippets here and there and we reflect on it. We actually need the whole story. And then the word is given to us in all these other ways as well. The scriptures are actually spoken and declared in, for example, the sermon on Sunday mornings. That's a way that God has given us to hear his word. By reading it out loud during our worship service and having a pastor uh, teach on it, that's a way that God delivers his word to us as well. Also, he gives us friends. He gives us other Christians that declare God's word to us. So as we all are ingesting scripture on our own and meditating on it day and night, as we hear it on Sunday and we dwell on it and we think about how God is operating on us, we have other Christians that we can hear God's word from. And here at New Life, the primary place that we have that is in our life groups. And our life groups are actually designed to have these kind of spiritual conversations where we discuss how God is transforming us through his word. I've had a number of times where I've been in a life group with a group of people. And uh, even though I may be leading the group, the discussions going on and people within the group are actually proclaiming God's word over each other where people are being corrected and encouraged and even given promises by the group, by people in the group just having this conversation. This is a really important, and I would say probably even a vital way that we hear the word of God is through other people. And we can facilitate that through our life groups. But also we just have this group of friends, this collection of people at our church that are gathered together week in and week out. And these friendships and these bonds that we form we can hear God's word through those as well. Just in normal everyday conversations with Christians, we can proclaim God's word to them and hear it proclaimed to us. And even for non-Christians, we can invite them into the story of Jesus by showing with by sharing with them the law and the gospel. We can even invite non-Christians into the life of faith by this same tool, by the law and the gospel. So God's word is the scripture and he comes to us and he speaks to us through the scripture. And that scripture gets to us through all sorts of ways. One through our private readings and the apps that we have and the books that we have on our nightstand. One through our life groups, one through our friendships and one through our sermons. We have the word always coming at us from all these different angles. And these are the ways that we can listen to God by reading the scripture on our own engaging in Sunday morning worship, listening to the sermon on a regular basis, gathering with the life group on a regular basis, having these friendships. These are the ways that we hear God's word day in and day out. This is the way that we can meditate on the law day in and day out and meditate on God's promises day in and day out. We can constantly be bombarded with the word so we can have it in our hearts, so we can listen to it in our ears and that we can be transformed by 
his powerful word through the law and through the gospel. Thanks so much for joining me today. I hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time.